Why not? I don't. Do have you have a, are, I don't have a reason. Are why you not? materialist? How dare you? There's if nothing wrong with materialist. <laughs> means something. It's not like racist against cardboard. <laughs> Carl, can't you just let me have this? I can't let you have anything. Why can't you let me have? Because this? I'm the white man. Welcome to Back in the Field, Episode 3. This is the, as far as we can tell, only Brooklyn Nine-Nine podcast. I'm Carl. My name is Arthi, and today we're going to talk about Episode 3, The Slump. This is actually our second go-around on this episode. There were a number of big, big problems that have delayed your listening pleasure, but we now have what we think is an actual microphone, not a microphone that pretended to be helping us when actually we were just recording through my laptop. Oh, God. And you guys are going to see this in probably Emmy time, which is the episode that follows this, because that episode, with a lot of finagling on my part, managed to come out okay. It was redeemably corrupted rather than irredeemably. The sacrifice I had to make for that, though, was that my voice comes out very, very faint and tinny in that one, which is fine. I mean, for all you know, I was sick during the recording. Well, maybe not now. We'll just cut this in post. We'll never cut anything in post. We'll cut this in post. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll be like the Nerdist who keeps telling us that they cut stuff, but they don't, which I love. Anyway, so today's episode is The Slump, which is actually almost our least favorite episode from the first part. It's almost. It, we keep getting new least favorite episodes from the first part as we expand the meaning of the first part. <laughs> Well, realistically for me, I don't know about Carl, but my definition of the first part is anything before the bed. It's true that there's only two possible worst episodes before the bed, and this is one of them. Indeed. So let's just dive right into it. (laughs) So one of the things I actually do like about this episode is that we have really new characterization for everyone. Um, We talked about in... In the Tiger, how it felt a lot like a repilot, where we were revisiting character motivations and reestablishing who these people were. And there's definitely multiple reasons for that. One is because the Tiger is, as the second episode, it's bringing in people from the buzz. But also, frankly, for the cast, it's like, oh, we forgot what it's like to work with each other because it's been like three months since pilot season. So let's try this again. So because in this episode, Jake is on a slump and is kind of quarantined away from the rest of the precinct, we see other people come to the fore. We see them. We see how they interact when they aren't being dominated by Jake's personality while he's being dominated by a cursed rabbit's foot. (laughs) Kind of the opposite of what happens. But we get to see, you know, people getting along without him, which is fun. It's good for us to see how they interact when he's not in, in the way. And this is also, like, an interesting episode because it brings out um, the first time we see uh, Amy, uh, Rosa, and Gina interact. Pretty much really at all. Like, in any meaningful way. I'm sure they interacted in other episodes. And the three of them are put forward as a very meaningful comedy unit several times in the rest of the series. But this is where it gets its start. I think that they saw how well this worked and wanted to come back to it. Because having this kind of three-person team-up for an entire plot when the show is going around Robin is pretty costly, but they make very good use of it. I agree. And probably what's more interesting, just purely from a gender standpoint, is that if they were male characters, there would be no hesitation in putting them together at all. And and I feel like this like comedy, tri- comedy type 
we see a lot with male characters. So it's a kind of refreshing to see a a different sort of spin on it, not just gender, but also just like the personality combination. And we get there, of course, by introducing what the Amy Holt dynamic looks like. It's a super important one for the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. And this is the first opportunity we get to see Amy totally make a fool of herself when trying to win Holt's affection. Carl was saying how there's multiple there's multiple lines throughout the series that really enter his own lexicon. Uh, the 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 from from the vulture we have how do I breathe which is Carl's one of Carl's favorite lines. But for me, it's definitely I will make better mouth. And in fact, multiple people in fandom have straight up told me to, when I'm typing, <laughs> to make better mouth. So that's that's something. I love the scene where she gets her assignment from Holt because it just goes straight downhill. She comes in, he's praising her for the J3 drug bust, which I believe is the bust they make in episode two, right? Maybe. I think it is. So that's a piece of continuity that you didn't think were going to be there. but And she can deal with being praised, but he immediately turns it on her head. She loses her balance. And it keeps getting worse and worse when she, you know, says a bunch of things that sound way too sexual. And then he tells her to be more articulate. And she can't. She just can't. And Amy is a continual collapse. She's a success, but a success that's kind of riding an avalanche of failure. I think one of my favorite things in this is something that we brought up in another episode, which is that nobody can tell when Holt is being sarcastic. And I have a, I, I do truly believe that when he says for the praise, he's being sarcastic. He's making a joke, but she just, she takes it at face value and she just freaks out. And from there, it's just all blue screen of death. It's true that Holt loves messing with people. You see this later in this episode, you see him mess with Jake. But it's kind of a different thing when he does it to Amy. Mm -hmm. Because she's always going to take him 100% seriously. And Mm -hmm. he must know that. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, one of the best people to talk about, like, messing with other people is hands down Gina. And one of the things we make in our notes here is that, frankly, the A plot for this episode is super weak. So let's just not really talk about it. Let's instead focus on the B plot, or what is ostensibly the B plot. Which is the which is Gina basically demonstrating that she has hidden depths, <laughs> although she denies it, but we all know it's true. The only hidden depth she was trying to indicate there was her capacity as a revolutionary firebrand, who will always destroy her shoulder. She's basically the Joker in this episode. She just inserts herself into the at-risk youth recruitment thing, and immediately finds a thing that will start a firestorm every time. In our first version of this, we talked about how Amy's overt, for lack of a better slang term, frontin' is exactly what sets off the kids in the first place. Like, from there, it's literally, like, not going to be saved. So by frontin', you mean her pretending to be an at-risk youth who, in her mind, is black and sells drugs? Is that the frontin'? (laughs) Just so our audience knows about frontin'. We need to explain about frontin'. I've learned a lot of hip-hop terms this year, but I can't just drop them into every conversation because not everyone knows what it means to be <laughs> trill. I killed Arthi. Arthi's over. <laughs> I don't think Arthi can deal with me. You guys are so cracked out. This is the second time we're doing this episode. We're keeping it this time. No editing. Straight to post. We'll stop it here. We're eight minutes in. That's enough. <laughs> You guys are done, right? You don't need more from us. No. Okay, okay. Yes, Carl. 
that's what frontin' means in this particular context. Okay, frontin'. just because just because I couldn't find a better word, and just because I'm not an inner city youth, and that I'm like smart and well educated and generally articulate, just because I can't make better mouth at like nine thirty on a Monday, Tuesday, doesn't mean it's Tuesday. <laughs> Shut up. Doesn't mean they don't need to know what day it is. Well, they're you going. Could have to- been, we could have pretended you were right the first time, but I won't. <laughs> Fuck edits, man. We're just going to put this out there raw. Um, like Eddie Murphy. No. Um, okay. So all jokes aside. <laughs> Carl just went whoosh. Oh, poor Carl. Okay. All jokes aside. I do know who Eddie Murphy is. Thank God. Um, all jokes aside. The third time. Amy's Amy's putting on of the facade for these kids, which goes over like a, a lead balloon. In fact, it goes over way worse than a lead balloon. Honestly, this is probably the only episode this season where I genuinely felt like cringy through a huge portion of the episode. Um, and it's because the B-plot is so strong and I couldn't stand it. You couldn't stand what the B-plot was doing? Well, I just watching Amy be terror, like just be like completely torn apart. Yeah, it's true. It's really... She started that whole... Yo, I'm gonna sell you drugs thing, which I'm not gonna recreate. No, and it's not it's not watchable. And if I'd been those kids, I would have been so unhappy. But they just smelled blood. Yeah, they are definitely sharks in this episode. But it's not just Amy who gets screwed up by them. Rosa doesn't actually fare any better. She tries to scare them, but they don't give a shit. No, they're, they're gonna remix her into irrelevance. <laughs> She can't deal with with the YouTube generation. No, she can't. But I mean, there, there's an argument. We we crossed out other generations are terrifying. Hashtag millennials. Yolo. <laughs> what? What? What is even happening? Do you not get hashtags? <laughs> I'm not, okay, I'm. You know about front, but not hashtags. I can't. I can't even. Am handle, I too real for you? I can't handle this right now. <laughs> okay. Other generations are terrifying. Yes, no. hashtags millennials. But more, more importantly, I think there's this excellent, um, there's this excellent sense that that these kids are pretty jaded, and and the approach that it, it's like that XKCD comic. My normal approach is useless here, and so for Amy and Rosa, the things that make them really good at their jobs, which is you know Amy's Amy's ability to sort of appeal to her own authority and Rose's ability to just basically scare the living shit out of everyone don't work with children who essentially connect with impunity because they know they can and so they will because kids are the worst really the worst ever why why do they exist I don't know where we're going here (laughs) I don't either let's just move on Terry speaking of children Terry has some and he's making a castle for them Segway, segway, <laughs> segway gesture. <laughs> Can we get a segway soundboard? Maybe we should. No be one's dr- gonna recognize a segway sound. I genuinely wish we were drunk, and that was our excuse. I had a little. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So Terry is constructing the pretty princess castle, which, which by you... the way, Charles owned one as a child. Yeah, Grandma gave it to him and his sister. I someday his sister will be cast, and we should do a casting speculation episode for that at some point. But that is not this day. It's just it's gonna be it's going to be a dilemma, a quandary. No, it's not. 
It's going to be a bad, a bad thing, a quagmire, maybe. Maybe that's what I was talking about. I genuinely, part of me genuinely hopes that she's like, she's the, uh, what's John Ralphio's sister's name? Mona Lisa Saperstein? Mona Lisa Saperstein is the worst. She's 100%. If I could make an auto-tune singing noise, I would have done that. But I can't and I won't. I will, I, I will kindly avoid being the Saperstein-ing and just like do the, the <laughs> into Carl's ear. You I, lied. I leaned away. Thank you. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, when they were kids, uh, he and his sister got a pretty princess castle from grandma. It seems like he put it together himself <laughs> and then proceeded to play with it until his sister went mad with, with rage and, and envy. Mm-hmm. So he wants to help Terry out with this to enable Terry to be a better dad, which is totally in line with the boy with the boy we come to know. Mm-hmm. He wants to help people be their best selves. Mm-hmm. He's a living hype machine. You're the best, Jake. He's he's uh, turnt, as it were. So you actually just taught me how to use that word correctly because I, I don't know. I I am not a moral legal authority here, but <laughs> turnt. And uh, ratchet are the two words I just don't know how to use correctly. We see that Boyle wants to always help people be the best version of themselves, which is for, exemplified by the Jake, 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 and the you're the best Jake thing that happens. Yeah, when Jake, does Jake start reading for himself in this episode or in a later episode? It's not this one, but he does do the you're the best Jake in, in the slump. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You he... guys are always telling me I'm the best. Okay, maybe it's just Boyle. <laughs> Uh, Boyle will always provide more positive reinforcement for Jake. Like, he spends... It seems like he spends his free time coming up with nicknames for Jake. That's not something he'll just do for Jake. He'll do that for anyone. Like, he really respects Terry's commitment to fatherhood. And therefore wants to help. Mm -hmm. He respects Jake's police work. So he wants to help. He wants to help people be good at the things they're already great at. Mm -hmm. And that requires a kind of humility and compassion that uh find a unique combination in him no one has no one else on the cast has both of those mostly it's because no one else on the cast is humble at all well uh, no 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 so it's a combination of of humility compassion and competence because scully and hitchcock are humble well played sir they get character development hitchcock takes off his shirt this is the first time Hitchcock takes off a shirt, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And and a thousand ships were sailed. Well, really just mine. <laughs> I feel like I didn't notice Hitchcock taking off a shirt until Thanksgiving. How did you not notice him taking off? No, well, not like in this noticing. one, his shirt doesn't get all the way off. I think, yeah, what I mean is I don't think I, like... It Realized it was a thing? Yeah, like his character thing. <laughs> Until Thanksgiving when he does it again. He's just sitting on Amy's sofa without a shirt on. He really loves his body. Yeah, I have to respect that. I also have to respect that the actor's like, sure, I'll just sit around shirtless. He also takes his shirt off in old school. Does he? Yeah, when he's talking about how they did a bunch of cocaine. When when oh, Scully's talking yeah, about how they did yeah, a bunch yeah. of cocaine, already he's packed. already packed and then he already put his shirt in a bag. <laughs> it's an evidence bag too, you guys. That's the best part. <laughs> Is it? That's a huge evidence bag. <laughs> anyway. There, there's large evidence. Mm-hmm. Wait, Carl, how do we skip my favorite part of this episode? Like, How? My favorite part of this episode, when they're talking about the movies at the beginning. Oh, uh, I think we skipped that by recording it earlier, and then I forgot about it. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> but let's talk about that, because this is, this is one of... This is probably, like... 
I think if I if I had felt at all on the fence about this show, this scene probably changed my mind because I just love this scene. And like to this day, like when I think about this show sometimes, like to this day being like way past the finale, whatever. When I think about this show sometimes, I think I think about this scene a lot. And I've been seeing it quoted on Tumblr a lot recently. It's like late April right now. And um and I love that this is one of the ones that people use a lot when they're doing like other show nine nine. <laughs> It's got everything I like. Gratuitous violence. It's true that there's a lot of things here that make us realize how these people line up with other characters we might like. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of characters that we can think of who would like RoboCop more than any other cop movie because it has gratuitous violence and stop. But it means something special for Rosa in this situation. So uh, of these movies, Die Hard, Turner and Hooch, Training Day... Bad Boys and uh, Truffaut's Breathless. I've seen exactly the trailer to Modern Day RoboCop. So I'm going to let you run this scene. Well, unfortunately, I've only seen, like, po- like <laughs> what TNT would let me watch of the- most of the other ones. I I I know a lot about the other ones. So so here's what I know. I have, have heard about the infamous bodlerization of Die Hard. But I don't remember what it was they replaced Motherfucker with and Yippie Kaye. It was something ridiculous. <laughs> there is definitely. It's pretty amazing. Some Someone, I don't, it's not Patton Oswalt, but there is someone. Someone else who looks like a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. It's funny because he appears on the show later. Um. <laughs> the, uh, Have you seen the funnier die Batman things? No. Batman? No. We'll see it between episodes. They're really good. You guys should check out. Um, it's not funnier die. It's college humor. The college humor uh, Batman parodies are hilarious. Here, so here's what I know about these movies. Okay, Training Day is ostensibly a buddy cop movie, but it's like takes place in like the super gritty world of like L.A. Turner and Hooch is heartwarming family comedy. It's Tom Hanks, a dog, reluctant partners. <laughs> and remember, think I about- don't see why Boyle brings that up. Like he's never been in a reluctant partnership in his life. Although I guess, oh, I guess it's the other way around. Yeah, <laughs> like he's because he's the dog. Boyle's the dog. <laughs> I was gonna say Carl Boyle is the dog here. And Jake didn't want a dog. Correct. <laughs> why is it so hard for me today? <laughs> This whole episode is hard for us today. Um, we can just have uh, an episode where we giggle throughout, right? I don't feel like we should edit this, no. except for the really long part of the middle. Right. Anyway, anyway. We'll just edit out silences. I'm just going to trim out silences. Guys, you're going to have a fully unedited Everything episode. else, it's WYSIWYG. So we talked about Turner and Hooch. We talked about we talked about a little bit about Training Day. Bad Boys, which was mostly an action movie. I don't remember Will Smith and Martin Lawrence not wanting to like each other in that movie. Whatever. I mean, the entire point of Bad Boys is that Gina derives titillation from it. That's the entire reason she brings it up. They're she's hot, they're sleeping. Yeah. To be fair, she's right. Um, the uh, gratuitous violence. RoboCop is RoboCop is interesting because I learned more about it recently. RoboCop is about is about a guy who is sort of like he's saved from like dying by like having most of his body replaced with machine. Um, but in doing so, they kind of remove his the empathy, like. Well, they they put, they basically have him be run by a computer, mm. as far as I 
can tell. I have actually I've watched more of RoboCop in that I've watched a lot of a shot by shot remake by like a thousand different uh, filmmakers of RoboCop. It's really great. Uh, it looks like a very interesting movie, although I've seen it a lot of inexpert ways. Making a face at Carl, they can only be described as Andy Samberg-esque. I don't see what your problem with this is. No, I don't. And last, of course, is Die Hard, which is the Maverick movie. I was telling Carl in our original recording of this that the um, the interesting thing about Die Hard is that Die Hard actually does start its sort of series as a movie about like one cop who is trying to like sort of solve the the big crimes and it's like it turns into this like crazy action movie like i know in die hard 2 or 3 he um he like rides a motorcycle off a skyscraper into a helicopter as it's exploding i don't know what's exploding i mean that's kind of par for the core thrash movies these days but, I mean, the other place I've seen that scene is in The Matrix. <laughs> so there is a decided fictional component to Die Hard that I know of. Not overtly, anyway. But, yeah, so, so I, I don't know. It's, it's, I, if I knew more about these movies, and I know marginally more than Carl, I, you know what, audience, this is your turn to participate. Drop us a note in our asks talking a little bit about each of these movies and... Do a and, podcast about each of these movies. <laughs> yes. Do we a, might publish them. <laughs> yes. Do a po- No. Do like, write us a, like a short like ask or whatever about. Jiff it for us. <laughs> shot by shot pilot comparisons. Yes. No. <laughs> Remake RoboCop. Wait, someone already did that. <laughs> Two separate groups already did that. <laughs> do cardboard RoboCop. I don't know. Guys, tell us more about these movies. Cardboard RoboCop. Everyone is cardboard robots. Okay. Everyone is cardboard robots now. <laughs> this is going to be the best or the worst podcast we've ever had. Hi, we're Slap Happy. I'm Slap, he's happy. What? Uh, I'd ra- I'd, I'm glad I'm not Slap. <laughs> I'd rather be happy than Slap if I have to choose one. It's funny because you're apparently the... I do. It's funny because I'm the one who's giggling. Yeah, that's true. You know what? Honestly, we don't have a lot to talk about this episode. Stuff we- happened. We thought it was funny. <laughs> Characters were developed. Well, we did have this one thing here that kind of made sense. This wasn't actually a very good point. No, it was actually a terrible point. <laughs> yeah, what were we thinking? God, we were so on crack when we wrote this originally. This is going to be an extra short episode, but it, for bonus, you're only going to get... 10% as much editing. Congratulations. Not to mention, half this episode is us giggling or making jokes about how we're giggling. Or there's not a lot to cover in this slump. Honestly, like, like honestly, the this is probably also the... I mean, we could talk a little bit about how this is probably the first episode with any real physical comedy. We had a moment in the pilot with Charles, but Jake gets like... Jake, Jake, like, it's sprayed by the thing, and, like... It's got a lot of toilet humor. Yeah. Like, a bird shits on him. Yeah. He gets sprayed by a urinal. Yeah. It's... And he gets, like, there's a bunch of, like, his hand cramps. Like, Jake being the target of physical comedy was not really a thing before. Mm. I will say, while... So, while the A-plot is kind of weak, I think that it still... It shows some fun things, like... It shows how Jake's worst fear is uh, turning besides, into Charles. Besides abandonment, is actually turning into Scully or Hitchcock. Like 
he gets... Which, which, by the way, is great because a number of other characters, or at least Charles, have been like, I don't want to turn into either of them. Yeah, like, Charles is explicitly afraid of turning into Hitchcock. Yeah. At the party, Jake is like, you're Hitchcocking me? In this case, he's literally being given Scully's job, which frankly needs... There's no reason to assign a detective to do that except that Scully is useless for anything else. So I think that the A-plot, even in its weakness, it has an interesting kind of mystery with a fun solution, although it doesn't actually show how Jake solves it. So, you know, it could have been worse. It's worse than any time. Oh my god. But we talked about any time for 40 minutes somehow. In the past future. The future past. Well, it's not our fault we didn't realize there was a huge recording problem until three weeks it's later. It's not our fault we couldn't use a computer. Oh, my God. All right, maybe that is our fault. I work in tech, too. Do we like, want to bring this home? Let's let's just call this out. Right, you know what? I'm just going to... Uh, uh, I'm calling it time of death. Now-ish. Like 28 minutes in. Guys, thanks for joining us for the shortest episode of <laughs> Back in the Field. Out of three. Well, we'll, rec- we'll be recording episode five pretty soon. It's true. Yeah. So enjoy. I'm hoping you enjoyed this, or at least were entertained by it. Uh, next episode is much more robust. So if, if that's already out, just go that way. <laughs> just go over there. This could be fun for them. This could be fun for them. Let's not talk them out of enjoy this episode. No, actually, we really hope you enjoyed this, because I, I just, I, I feel like... I got a lot of, I got some lols. You know, I got to hang out with Carl. It was at least fun for us. It was definitely fun for us. And from us. And from us. That was Back the Field. (laughs) I'm Carl. My name is Arthi. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.